Hallelujah. We're now live. Good to see you if you're joining. I expect Evelyn will be on. Who else might be on? Michelle, maybe. Ali and Eddie, Sundar, Santi, Lise, Kareen. Get all there. I've forgotten you. Sorry. Zan, Mike. All right. Welcome. Welcome to those listening during the week as well. Good to have you with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you so much for our worship this morning. Thank you that we've been able to, to get together and bring our praise to you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you've done for us and are doing for us. But thank you, Father. We're now about to plant some seeds in our hearts. We're about to look at your word. Thank you for these truths that we're about to plant. We speak our understanding so these seeds are not stolen. Understanding so that they grow and produce fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you go switch off these heaters, will you? It's like a sauna in here. Eileen sitting at the back with her coat on under the heater. As I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really quite warm. Hallelujah. Okay, we are in lesson three of my favourite sermon series of the year. Yeah, thank you for that one cheer, Polly. Yeah, yeah. The Christmas series for 2023, and we are debusting. You know, that's not a word. Debunking. Yeah, because when I was typing in debusting, it kept telling me it was the wrong word. I thought, no, I'm having that. No, I'm going to use it. Oh, so if you debust, you kind of you kind of put it back together. Okay. We are, pity you can't cut this live. And We are debunking the myths around the nativity, around the birth of Jesus. Because so much of what we think we know, so much of what we're told is wrong. And we know it's the traditions of men and it's not biblical. And these traditions... Take away from the awesome picture of his birth. That it's a picture of his mission and a picture of his death. And we kind of lose that with these traditions that we know and we see in our nativities and our nativity scenes that we all have. So first week we saw that Jesus did not come to bring peace on earth among men. That good old Bing Crosby sings about and um, Christmas cards. Not peace on earth among men. He brought peace to earth. He brought goodwill toward men. Bringing reconciliation, bringing forgiveness that would usher in salvation and righteousness. Should we choose to accept that? That was the peace, the goodwill he brought. Not peace on earth among men. So we debunked that. That's my new word, Carol. We debunked that two weeks ago. And last week, one of the biggies we saw that Jesus was not born in a stable by the end. Oh, no, he wasn't. No pantomime this week, okay? Oh, yes, he was. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. We looked at scripture. We looked at Jewish oral and written commentaries. We looked at the archaeological record. And we concluded that, yes, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's good. But he was born at a place called Migdaladere and not in the stable by the end. Migdaladere, the watchtower of the flock, near Bethlehem, in the shepherd's field where the temple flocks were kept, the temple sheep were kept, where the temple shepherds, the Levitical shepherds, 
raised up the lambs that would be sacrificed for the sins of the nation at Passover. We saw that last week. Amen. And I said this week we would look at why this was so significant, why this is so important as a piece of typology, you know, a picture showing us what the life, mission, and death of Jesus would be, all summed up in the account of his birth. But that was, that's been lost by the church. But we're bringing it back, amen? And we saw last week good old Alfred Edershine wrote about this in 1883. But we saw that the Jewish rabbis were writing about it thousands of years ago. Jewish wisdom, we need to kind of be aware of that. Um, but th so this week, in showing how significant that is, I need to debunk another myth about who visited Jesus at his birth. But we all know that, Vic. We all know the nativity scenes that we have. We all know the nativity plays that, you know, we had to sit through, you know, probably the better word would be endure. <laughs> my kids are all this size now, or my son is. I don't, have, I don't have to worry about enduring nativity plays anymore. But we've all sat through them. We've all seen them. There's Jesus in the manger with Mary and Joseph and the three wise men and the shepherds. We all know that. But no, 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 that's not the case. That's not the truth. That's not the biblical message. That's tradition. So let's look at the Bible, see what it says. Because you know what? As believers, it's a good place to start. If we want to understand about the birth of Jesus, don't look at the nativity scene. Look at the Bible. Definitely don't look at my nativity scene with the pigs in it. That's just, that's culturally wrong as well as biblically wrong. Matthew 2, verse 1, and it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And now Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule thy people, my people, Israel. When Herod, then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. What a big fat liar. But that's another story. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's it for the wise men in the Gospels. And I deliberately say wise men and not three wise men. We're not even told how many of them are aware. 
But tradition tells us there's three. They even give us their names, which I'm not even going to mention. I can't, I can't remember. Never mind. But, you know, I, I agree there were three gifts. It says there were three gifts. And we seem to have used that same crazy logic as we used last week. Three gifts, therefore, it must be three wise men. No, it's not. We don't know how many there were. Can't say if it was three or not. Then look at verse 1 again. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now this is, this is a strange verse, and you can interpret it in a couple of ways. It says, When Jesus was born, they came from the east to Jerusalem. That could mean they arrived in Jerusalem when he was born, yes. But it could also mean they left from the east when he was born. I'm not sure about the grammar in this verse, but it could mean that when Jesus was born, then they left from the east. Now, there's no easy jet Orion here back then. It would have taken a long time to get from the east to Jerusalem. It would have taken a long time, I think. But what it does not say is that they went to Bethlehem when he was born. It doesn't say that. They came to Jerusalem at some point after his birth, and they met with Herod and his priests and his scribes. Now, we don't know how long that took. The word doesn't tell us. Then they went looking for Jesus. We don't know how long that took. It could have been months. Me, personally, I think it was about 18 months or two years. Well, why do you say that? But, well, look at verse 11 again. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. They visited a house. That's what the word says. And we don't have all the details. Well, I don't have the time to go into all the details to explain this. But if you read Luke 2 later, you will see that that house is in Nazareth. Because they've gone back. This, is, this isn't in Bethlehem. They're now in Nazareth. Nazareth. They were back in the family home. The Greek word, you learn Greek here, by the way. The Greek word is ukia and means home, household, and abode. By implication, a family home. They're in the family home. This is not where Jesus was born. This is not his birth. They visited him in the family home in Nazareth, and they visited the young child. And the Greek word for young child is pahidion, and means childling of either sex, an infant half-grown boy or girl. It's not a baby. The wise men were never at the birth of Jesus. However many of them there were traipsing in, there, there was, there was, they weren't there. This Greek word is not talking about a baby or a newborn. Now, we'll look in a minute at Luke 2.12. We'll see the shepherds going to see a baby. The Greek word is brifos, and it means baby. So when the shepherds went and when the wise men went were completely different times. Could have been years apart. But we see in the nativity all the time 
them coming in together. And not only that, we see the wise men getting in first. We see them getting the preeminence. Who wants to be a wise? Who wants to be a shepherd with a stupid tea towel when you can be a wise man with a crown? They have preeminence over the shepherds. They, they weren't even there, but tradition tells us they were there. And they tell us that they're more important than the shepherds. You might be thinking, well, oh, who cares? I mean, who, who cares, Vic? They all went to see him. Does it really matter when and who went? No, this is really significant. It's really important. What the Bible tells us, and I'll show you in a minute, that the first people and the only people to visit Jesus at his birth were the shepherds. But a whoop-de-doo. So what? Why is that so significant? Well, for me, this is an amazing truth that has been lost over the centuries. But you know what, guys? It's a truth I'm seeing more and more coming up in social media and YouTube. And people are starting to get this idea about the shepherds being so important. So what does it say about the shepherds? Well, go to Luke 2. We've got rid of the wise men, okay? We know they didn't come to the birth of Jesus. So what is so significant about the shepherds? Well, Luke 2, 1, I'm going to read, well, 1 to 18, I think. And it came to pass in these days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn, or house or home, according to the Greek words, but that's another message. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, a sign unto the shepherds. Remember that. This should be a sign unto you, shepherds. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So what? Oh, I'll tell you what. In a minute. And, so, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Good will toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Awesome. The shepherds hear this word of declaration of his birth and they went to see him so what well tie it in with what we saw last week remember what we saw last week 
These are not just any old group of shepherds. These are special shepherds. They were the temple shepherds, the Levitical shepherds, who looked after the temple flock of sheep at Bethlehem near Jerusalem that bred the lambs for the temple sacrifices. That was their job. They were based at Migladere on the edge of Bethlehem where they reared the lambs for sacrifice. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This shall be a sign unto you. Now, you, you know, when I, when I preach this, this, something always new comes up in the Christmas series. And for me, this week, it's been this phrase. And this shall be a sign unto you. A sign to the shepherds. Something that the shepherds would know all about. Something that would speak to the shepherds in such an exciting way that they would go abroad and tell everybody. So it had to be something huge. It had to be something significant, yeah? You agree with that? So what was the sign? What was the sign? That you'll find the baby, you shall find Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, remember, a manger could just be a stall as well, as well as a feeding receptacle. So what would this have meant to the Levitical shepherds, the temple shepherds, who are used to raising sacrificial lambs? Well, they were used to seeing lambs being born in the stalls, in Migdaladere, in the mangers. They were used to seeing that. But then they would have to inspect them to see if these lambs had anything wrong with them, if they had a spot or a blemish. Because only perfect lambs, only spotless lambs without blemish could be used for the sacrifices. That's all that was acceptable. That's all that the, the, the priests would accept. It has to be a perfect sacrificial lamb without spot and without blemish. And when they were born perfect and spotless, they were wrapped up in swaddling clothes by the shepherds wrapped up tightly in swaddling clothes and put in a manger to protect them, to keep them spotless, stop them damaging themselves, running about and breaking a leg or cutting themselves because then they wouldn't be acceptable as the perfect sacrifice. They would have known all about that. They would have known that that was their job. Well, in this place, in these stalls, what we normally see are perfect sacrificial lambs wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they see a baby wrapped like that. That was the sign. That was the sign for the shepherds. They knew that. And this is another truth that we can get from Jewish wisdom about these swaddling clothes. I saw a great video this week from a, a rabbi called Jason Sobel talking about this, about the significance of the shepherds in the shepherd's field at Migladere near Bethlehem and about the swaddling clothes. So what did they see then after they came? It says it in verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They came and they saw him. Now, I, I believe that we can safely assume, as the angel said, 
he was wrapped up in the swaddling clothes. So they come in, they, they see a baby born, where they normally see sacrificial lambs being born, wrapped up in swaddling clothes like the normal sacrificial lambs. So what do we have? We have something pretty significant. We have a baby born where the Passover lambs were born, wrapped in swaddling clothes like a Passover lamb. Why? Because he was a Passover lamb as well. He was born where all the other sacrificial Passover lambs were born, and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes just like every other Passover lamb had been in the past. And they would have known the significance of that. Known the significance of this truth. See, like all the other Jews, they were waiting for the Messiah. And they'd just been told, the Messiah's been born. Go and see him. Oh, but there's an extra sign. There's a sign that you will see when you go and see this Messiah who's just been born. See, they were waiting for the Messiah who's going to come and kick the butts of the Romans. They were waiting for the Messiah who's going to come and win a military battle to defeat the Romans. And I believe that when the shepherds saw the Messiah wrapped in swaddling clothes, where all the other Passover lambs were born, they suddenly realized he's, he's not here to do that. He's not here as a military king. He's here as a Passover lamb. He's here as a sacrificial lamb. Now I know why he's come. He's come to die for the sins of the nation. That was a sign for them. They knew that. He was born to be us there, the shepherds, their sacrificial lamb, but also our sacrificial lamb. And verse 17 says, they made known abroad all of this. But this has been hushed up by the church. I'd never heard this. I'd, I'd just known the nativities. I've seen nativity plays in church where the wise men get preeminence over the shepherds. I, never, I was never told this. Why was I not told this? Because the significance of it is so important that traditions in the enemy have hushed it up. Sort of glossed over. You know, we all think the wise men are so more important. I, I, I remember, I would have hated to have been a shepherd. I would want to be a wise man. With a king, with a crown and the robes. Who wants the Arafat tea towel? You know, to be a, to be a shepherd. Who wants that? Nobody. Who wants to be a shepherd where you can dress up in a crown and a robe and be important? No, it was the temple shepherds who saw him first. And only the temple shepherds fought, saw him. Here we go. This is pantomime time. You know why? Because they were the experts in sacrificial lambs. Because they knew a sacrificial lamb when they saw one. See, I've preached this before. Of course they saw him first. Of course he was born at Migdal Adair, where all the other sacrificial lambs were born. Of course the temple ship. The wise men were nowhere near it. Because they're not important in this part, in this context. They are important. 
Sean sent me an email last week saying, don't be too hard on the wise men, Vic, when you preach on Sunday. You know, because Sean's got, Sean's got a thing about the Magi. He does a good teaching on the Magi. So um, don't, be, don't be too hard on them, Vic, he said. So I'm trying not to be too hard on them. But in this, in this context, Sean, they're meaningless. But just this context. Because they, they didn't know anything about sacrificial lambs. They didn't know about swaddling clothes. They weren't immersed in, in the, the Jewish wisdom of the day. But these shepherds were. They were the temple shepherds, the Levitical shepherds. Of course they knew about ever, all of that. And then when they saw the baby wrapped up like a sacrificial lamb, it would have been, oh, he's not come as a military ruler. He's come as a sacrificial lamb. That must have been awesome. That's why they were out telling everybody. And it's what we should be telling everybody. Amen. So, but, but that's all. That's all. Old Covenant Vic, you tell us. We're supposed to be a New Covenant church. So, yeah. I was, what does it say in the New Covenant? Well, still a little bit of Old Covenant to start with. John 1, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus described as a Lamb, the Lamb of God. What's he going to do? Come and be sacrificed for mankind and deal with sin, just like all the other Passover lambs. But they had to do it year after year. Jesus doesn't do it year after year. 1 Corinthians 5. Let's get into the New Covenant now, in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. What does that say? Yeah, purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Paul's telling us what happened. Talks of Jesus being sacrificed as our Passover. The lambs were sacrificed at Passover. Where were the Passover lambs born? Migdaladere. What were they wrapped in? Swaddling clothes. What do we see about Jesus? Born at Migdaladere, wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's our Passover lamb. Our Passover. But remember, those lambs had to be perfect. The Passover lambs have to be perfect. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. He knew no sin. He was perfect. Jesus was perfect. So he was able to be a sacrificial lamb because he was without spot. He was without blemish. Look at 1 Peter 1. 18. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, a silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. What does it say about Christ? As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last days for you. This is like the best verse in this context here. Jesus described as being the way for redemption, redemption being through his blood, his sacrifice. And his sacrifice was perfect because he was like a lamb without spot. And without blemish, without sin. He was perfect. And his sacrifice was perfect too. 
once for all. You don't need to do it every year. Hebrews 10, 12 says, For this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Jesus was perfect, the perfect sacrificial lamb, and his sacrifice was the last. All that was needed. Why? Because it was perfect. His work is finished. Where's Jesus now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Why is he sitting down? Because his work is finished. Because his work was perfect. Because he was perfect. Because he was the spotless, sinless lamb, wrapped in swaddling clothes, born at Megaladere. Awesome. Let me wrap this up. Wrap up this week and last week's sermon. Jesus was not born in a stable by the inn. He, thank you, Sean, for that one amen. He was not visited by the wise men at his birth. That is tradition. It is non-biblical. And it takes away from the typology of his birth, from the amazing truth as to what his birth tells us about his mission, his life, and his death. This sounds a bit morbid, but it's the truth. And it's amazing, Jesus was born to die. That's the only reason those sacrificial lambs were bred. They were born to die. And that's what this picture is telling us about Jesus. He was born to die. But not just a wasted death. To die as the perfect sacrificial lamb without spot or without blemish for the sins of the whole world. Don't exclude yourself from this amazing finished work. John 1 John 2 says, verse 2 says, and he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That Greek word, world, is cosmos. It means the whole universe, and listen to this, everybody within it. Don't exclude yourself from this finished work. His work was perfect, not required year after year, time after time, like previous sacrificial lambs. His sacrifice paid for all sin, for all time, for the whole world. That's what it says here, and what it says in Hebrews 10. Once. Done. His sacrifice paid for the sin, for all time, for the whole world. He brought peace, goodwill from God. He brought reconciliation and forgiveness that allows all men, through choice, through free will, to move into salvation and righteousness. All you need is faith in him and faith in his finished work. Yes, he was born in Bethlehem. Tradition gets that right. But at Migdaladere, the watchtower of the flock, the place where every other sacrificial lamb was being born, the place occupied by the temple flock and the Levitical shepherds. And it was these shepherds who were the experts, who knew a sacrificial lamb when they saw one, who came first to see him. It was obvious. It has to be this way. No, it's not just biblical, it's logical. The other, the other stuff is nonsense. How apt it was that he was born there, and he was seen by them. They inspected him. They recognized his perfection. They recognized his mission. They recognized his life purpose. And they recognized what his death was going to be and what it was going to do. And they told that abroad. That's the truth of his birth. That's the truth that most of the church 
has lost. But you know what, guys? It's a truth that needs to be proclaimed today. And a truth that the world needs to hear. He was born at Megalodere, watched out of the flock, seen by the temple shepherds to show he came to be the one and only perfect sacrificial lamb. And that is a truth confirmed in Jewish wisdom, but it's also confirmed in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Amen. Amen.